out the Junior High Ministry Podcast at Mariner's Church. For this and more content, check us out online at marinerschurch.org slash jhm. You guys are all looking awesome today. It's a beautiful Sunday afternoon. Who spent their weekend outside doing uh, active things? Anyone go, anyone paddleboard? Anyone do paddleboarding this weekend? All right, anyone go surfing this weekend? Anyone go toilet papering people's houses? My hands up, my hands up. Anyone, uh... Anyone play a hot potato with like real hot potatoes? I have. I do it all. Just I do it alone. I'm just like heating up potatoes. I'm like, oh yeah. No, I don't do that stuff. Hey, why don't you guys pull your chairs up a little bit? Because I want to see you, and uh, and I love being close to you guys. So uh, in breakout group, we talked about homes and how many homes you've lived in. Anyone live in more than three places in their lifetime? All right, keep your hand up, four places, five places, keep your hand up, more than six places in your lifetime, seven places, all right, I stop at seven, anyone live in eight places in their lifetime, legitimately, not making this stuff up, nine places, ten, how many places have you lived in, eleven places, oh my gosh, that's crazy, huh, what was that, I had an area code once, how many places do you live in, buddy, what was that? 11-2, cool, you guys could duke it out for the winter later. Uh, anyone uh, live outside of the United States for a while? All right, where'd you live? Texas is in the United States. Anyone live outside of the United States? Uh, right there? What was that? Lebanon? That is serious. That is a serious place. You do not toilet paper people's houses in Lebanon. Go ahead. England, oh my gosh, the Olympics are there this year. Are you going? No, me neither. Uh, where did you... Italy, wow, I love Italian food. I like, I love Italian food. Uh, one more, young lady in the back, where'd you live? Where? North or south? South, awesome, awesome. I've never met anyone from North Korea. I don't know why, that's super weird. I don't think they let their people out of there. Um, like, they just all hang out. It's a great place to live. No one ever leaves. Kind of like Woodbridge. Live in, that's where I live. I live in Woodbridge, and I'm never going to leave that. I'm never going to leave that place. I'll live there till I die. I love Woodbridge. Pools everywhere, hot tubs everywhere, tennis courts. I don't play tennis, but if I want to, they're there. I'm all about that stuff. Well, this, is, this is the deal. We are in week two of Dear God, which I couldn't be more excited about. And last week, David talked about our Father, the very beginning of the prayer. And this week, we're going to tackle the in heaven portion. Now, even though we're dividing up that line, our Father in heaven, and a lot of people think, like, that's weird. Why are you guys dividing up that line? This is the reason why. I really believe what David was saying last week. Our Father is this invitation into a family. The in heaven part, it tells me about belonging, that we belong to, to a family that takes place in a location, in, a, in an area that we can be a part of. I know what it feels not to belong, and this is the reason why. When I left for college, I decided to go to Bible college and study ministry, which is why I work here. I moved to Missouri. Anyone ever been to Missouri? And I say it like that because Missouri is just not that much fun. Now listen, I'm not bashing Missouri. I'm just saying that you could have it be more fun. And I sent some letters to the governor and other senators. They didn't care what my opinion was. I guess they like the show me state the way it is. But show me some fun, some rides, some, like if there was a roller coaster every couple miles in Missouri, like it'd be the coolest state ever, but there's not. They have the Cardinals baseball, that's all right. And the Royals. I didn't even know the Royals. Are they really still a team? I didn't even know that. The Royals. 
Did you really? You're so, you're so cool. Uh, this is the deal. I got on my uh, plane to go to Missouri from New York. I loaded up three duffel bags, 50 pound, they had to be weighed exactly because that's what you had to take on the plane. So basically three junior hires in a bag. So I just need three junior hires real quick. Uh, you, you and you, just get here, just lay on the stage for a second. It's told, just do some planking on the stage, not a big deal. Not a big deal, just doing some planking on the stage. Go ahead, just lay down, just lay down, just lay down. So basically, uh, it's me at the airport getting on the plane, and I have three big bags of, you know, junior high size things, and I'm carrying them, and they're gigantic, and I'm pushing that obnoxious cart that always has the broken wheel, and I don't know why they can't get together and fix these wheels, like, all at once. I mean... Honestly, I don't run an airport, but hire someone to fix the wheels, for gosh sakes. So I'm pushing this card, and the bags are kind of falling off, but I get to my dorm room, and there is basically, you know, this small room, bunk beds, which I've never slept in bunk beds before, and me with my three big black duffel bags with my entire life in them. And for me, it was really hard because I did not belong in Missouri, I thought. I belonged in New York. I was just doing college, and you do college in a location for a couple years, then you leave. And it was really tough for me adjusting because I didn't have a lot of friends. You guys doing good up here? I didn't have a lot of friends in Missouri when I first got there. It actually took me a couple years to make some friends. But that idea of belonging was something that I always wanted. I mean, everybody wants to belong to something, right? I mean, I'm sure you guys want to belong. I mean, you have a group of friends at school or you have friends here at church that you come and see and you guys belong kind of that group of friends. And, and that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Now, when you talk about this prayer, this Our Father in Heaven, I'm going to throw it up on the screen because I want to read it together. This doesn't talk about this exclusionary Christianity. This talks about the inclusionary Christianity of when we pray to God, how to pray. That every single one of us are invited into this prayer together. I, I, I've gotten a ton of wedding invitations for weddings. I would say this is totally like legit. There was a wedding yesterday that I was supposed to go to that I totally blew off. And the reason, it was, when was it, baby? It's today? Okay, well, I thought it was yesterday I was going to blow it off. Basically, it's today. I'm still going to blow it off. And this is the reason why. They called me. You guys aren't going to believe this, right? They called me, and they said that I couldn't bring my little honey bag with me. And I was very upset about that. Yes, I call her honey bag. Uh, they told me I had to come by myself. Now, a couple weeks ago, I talked about going to weddings. It's no fun to go by yourself. You're like the weird guy. No one, you know, who are you going to talk to? There's no community in that. So basically, I'm not going to go. They don't know that yet. They'll listen to the podcast and they'll figure out why I didn't go because they didn't let me bring my honey bag. You guys can sit in your seats. I know, weird, right? So, uh, and so that was kind of the, that was my little thing. So we're going to look through this prayer, which is designed to be an inclusionary prayer. Like Jesus is saying, this is what he's saying. He's looking at us and saying, listen, listen, I want you to get this because Christianity, this believing in me is not about just believing in me and you stop. Believing in me and being part of my family means direct access to the Father and that family. So, I, so if you want to learn how to pray, I'm going to give you this prayer that's an inclusionary prayer that we can all take part in, we can all belong to, and this is it. So I want you to look on the screen. I actually want to read it all together because I think it'll be exciting to hear like a hundred some odd voices reading this prayer. So look at your screens, read it together on your market set. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now this is the deal, this is the deal. I have come to find that 
our perspective of heaven and of this inclusionary gospel that Jesus is all about, I've come to find, this is me personally, through my years of being a Christian and pursuing to be more like Jesus is, because I mean, it's the goal of every Christian, I've come to find that the world has given us a very different picture of what it means to belong to God. They've actually made it so that some of us feel, based on who we listen to, that you actually are incapable of belonging to God. Some people actually teach that you can belong to God, but there's just a lot of steps, a lot of hoops you got to jump through. And then some, who likes jumping through hoops, by the way? Anyone like jumping through hoops? All right, but you don't want to do that when you're on your way to God. You want to be able to just go right to God. Some people actually teach that you can uh, become close to God and know God, but it's only if you live a, a specific type of life. Like, uh, like, we'll give you a job description for life. And you have to live that for your entire life. And only if you do that well, you maybe, it's not even guaranteed, maybe you can belong to God. Now, I just, I just can't believe that. Like, I personally have a huge problem with that. But sometimes we come to a place where we value that kind of predictability. As if, as if to say, you being a Christian, I'm going to give you the recipe to do that. Now, I'm a huge cook. All right? I, I love to cook. That's just me personally. And I love to cook with my girl, she's a really good cook too. Who, who likes to cook? Who's willing to be honest that they are not a good cook? Who's willing to be honest that they are a, just a, a train? You're willing to be honest. What is the worst thing you've ever made? Be honest. You, the worst thing you've ever made is toast. And to, that's actually not that hard to make, but for some people it's very difficult. I'm not judging you. I'm, I'm for that, okay? Uh, I actually like toast. Put a little Nutella on there. A little, a couple pieces of shrimp, and you're ready to go. Mmm, Nutella and shrimp, so good. But this is the deal. Sometimes we accept this predictability. Like, for instance, we'll say this. We'll say this. We'll say, if being a Christian means that I have to enter this, um, this unpredictable realm, like for, like, for instance, the friends I have may not be the best friends for me, but they're the friends I got. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stick with them. Like, yeah, Jesus, I hear what you're saying. Uh, you want me to treat my friends good and you feel I should be treated good by my friends, but, but these are the friends I have and I'd rather live a, a life with, with really bad friends than live a life where I may be unable to have friends. I'd rather have what I, keep what I have than risk not having any at all. Or we look at the, the struggles that we face. You know, there's freedom to me in giving our struggles over to God. And I've had some struggles in my life, things that I've dealt with, like me as a young man have dealt with, that I've turned over to God and said, I can only make it if I'm making it with you. Okay, that's what I've said to Jesus, and he's helped me with that. But for some of us, we sit there and say, the predictability of the struggle, like, you know, I could give it over to God. Maybe he'll help me, maybe he won't, I'm not sure. I'd rather just stick with what I have and not do the whole risky Christianity thing. And I, and I hear that. I understand that. For some of us, it's, um, it's just the life we live. Like, we live a life where, uh, you know, we'll go to church uh, on Sundays, and we'll go do school or do camps or do junior guards or do, you know, volleyball or, uh, Jack, what do you do? What do you do? Jack does not do cheerleading. Where is he? Jack, where are you? Jack, not you, Jack. This Jack. What do you do? Ocean. Ocean what? What is it? Ocean class. I'll go to ocean class every, you know, five days a week. I'll live, this is the deal, this is the deal. I'll live my life in a predictable way out of the fear of what my life would look like if I give it over to God. 
I would so much rather predict what is going to happen tomorrow, the next day, the school year. I'd be, I want to be predictable than, than put my faith in and live for a God who, who will change your life in a dramatic way. Now, I look at this prayer, Our Father in Heaven, and it, it conjures up these thoughts for me about God and heaven, and really about what the world has conditioned us to believe. You know, I find it uh, odd, well, maybe not that odd, I find it somewhat odd that when I even talk to Christian friends of mine, they have very different views of what heaven is. You talk to five different people, and they'll give you five different pictures of what heaven is. But I want to ask you guys for a second. What do you guys think heaven looks like? What do you guys think heaven's about? Be, be honest. Raise your hands. I want to hear your answers. Brooklyn, give me one. So when you die, you go up there and you live eternal life. Okay. And that's super common. Hear that a lot. G give me one. Hawaii. Hawaii is heaven. That's palm trees and surfing, huge waves, and the North Shore. Okay. Go ahead. Paradise. Heaven, in one word, is paradise. Okay, give me one. Golden palm, trees. golden palm trees. Palm trees made of gold. That actually is really cool. David, sage wisdom right here. Give it to me. All dogs go to heaven. Go to heaven. You think of heaven, and you think of all dogs go to heaven. My gosh, what a great movie for children. That, that, to me, that movie set the bar for great animated. This Brave movie, I haven't anyone seen Brave? All right, yeah, boo. Anyone see the movie The Incredibles a couple years ago? Oh, my gosh. That was so good. Man, all dogs go to heaven. What a type. I'm so happy David brought that up. That made this lesson so much better. Um, all right, all right, put your hands down. And it's, but this is the thing. We all have a different picture of what heaven is to us, okay? Now, this is what the picture is to me. The picture is to me, as I survey the scene of the world, they've painted very different pictures of what they think heaven is. Now, these might, this might come as a shock to you. If you know who Jesus is and you live for him every day, this may come as a shock to you. But I'm going to give you a couple pictures of what other people say heaven's like. There's this group of people who, who teach this thing called deism. All right, it starts with a D, ends with an ism. It's a word, okay, deism. Now, I'm not going to go into great detail, but basically these guys teach that there was a time when God made the earth and made everything on it, made you, me, the animals, the whole thing. But then they say at the fall of man, the beginning of Genesis, God decided to kind of pull back. And instead of integrating into our lives, instead of coming here in the form of a man named Jesus Christ, he actually left us to figure it out on our own. Now, who's, who's ever uh, take, had a teacher that had given you a pop quiz and that you didn't prepare for, okay? That happened to all of us, right? So this is basically what he's saying. He's saying that God is a pop quiz kind of teacher that uh, wakes up one day and says, you know what? I'm going to leave the world to figure it out on their own. Man, I, I don't believe that's the truth. And I don't believe the Bible says that's the truth. And we're going to get to that. There's actually this other group, too, I wanted to point out. A couple other groups. Uh, group number two, uh, I have a friend who I went to Bible college with. He's a good friend of mine. He actually grew up Hindu and practicing the Hindu faith, uh, and it's very different now. But he's a Christian, and he believes in Jesus. He works at a great church, totally sold-out guy. He used to be taught that obtaining heaven is not the final pursuit, that in Hinduism, he heaven itself is related to the physical body. So that there's no actual place that you can get to. There's no dying and going to heaven. There's no all dogs go to heaven. It's just live a good life and learn a lot. And when you die, uh, you know, numerous things could happen, but it's mostly internal in the body, this heaven realm. Uh, I have a friend who is a Muslim, and this is what he used to say. 
Uh, and he actually is still Muslim today. And he's a good friend of mine. We talk about Jesus all the time. And he looks at Jesus and he says, well, you know, we believe that Jesus is a really good prophet. And, you know, he's just a great teacher. I believe Jesus is the son of God who came down from heaven to save every single one of us. That's what I believe. And we have great discussions about it. And one day, hopefully, uh, he will experience Jesus the way that I have, in a way a lot of you guys have. But this is what he says. Uh, I asked him about his view of heaven. He says that he is taught that there are many references to the afterlife in Eden uh, for those who do good deeds. So basically, there, there's this system. There's this, this, this uh, job description system that if you do this job really well, that you maybe we'll have the chance of getting into heaven. Now, and, and it's all deeds-based. It's all, you have to do a good job. You have to live up to the standard. Uh, has anyone ever had a summer job where they've actually gotten a job description? All right, uh, anyone have like a really complicated job description that when they read it, they're like, how in the world could I do this? Brooklyn, what was the job? Gosh, honestly, that is the easiest job in the world. I could teach double folds all day long. <laughs> Prove it. Prove it. All right, so uh, double folds, tough resume. Imagine your life and where you belong as a Christian depending on the deeds you do. Imagine everything about where you will end up and who you will end up with. This picture of the Father, this loving Father, this inclusionary, Jesus coming to earth, Father. Your ability to connect with him directs, uh, is directly correlated to the things you do, the deeds you do. I don't believe the Bible teaches that, and it doesn't teach that, because that's exclusionary, where, where Jesus is inclusionary. He wants people to be a part of what he's doing. Uh, and the Greeks, this is a really crazy one, because I was a huge fan of Hercules and Xena, Warrior Princess, as I'm sure we've all talked about. Oh my gosh, with the frisbee things. She's so cool. But this is the deal. That whole show, if you ever watched that show, it's actually all based on what I'm about to say, of this, this Greek philosophy of the god system. And there's all these gods that represent different things. So there's the god of war, and there's the god of, you know, livestock, and there's the god of, you know, uh, you know farting, and there's the god of, you know, you know good-smelling hair, and there's the, you know, the god of, you know, wearing your pants too low, and that god is kind of a bum. Uh, he's not doing his job too well. This so there's all these gods, and the whole purpose of these, this god system was to live together in seclusion on Olympus, and they live away from people. They do not interact with people unless it's kind of to mess with them. Uh, they, uh, they hang out with each other, and that's where they have community. It isn't with humanity. Uh, they actually count humans to be less than what they are uh, and worthless and, and more of an entertainment. And, and then I look at the man of Jesus Christ who who, as God, decided to come down and be a part of what we were doing. And I get excited about that. See, all these things uh, wrapped up into this, uh, this picture, this worldly picture of what heaven is like. And some of you guys shared what you think heaven's like. Well, this is what I want to do. I want to run through quickly a few verses in the Bible that I feel talk about what heaven's like. And I want to, in, in, in retrospect of that, uh, that worldly version of what heaven looks like, I want to give you the biblical version of what I feel heaven looks like. And when we pray our Father in heaven, what that's actually talking about, what kind of belonging that actually carries with it. So I want to start off in, uh, in John 14, verse 3. Uh, and I want to read this to you, just have your eyes on the screen. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me so that you may also be where I am. Has anyone ever been left at the beach before? 
Has anyone been ever left anywhere by their parents? All right, I want to hear a story. I'm in the mood for a story from you. Tell me the story. Go ahead. They left you at Costco? They told you to get something, and they're in the parking lot, and meet them at the checkout. That's so heartbreaking. Can someone just lay hands on her and pray right now? No, no. And then that's really tough. Then this is what this verse is talking about. This is what this verse is talking about. And this is what it says to me when I read it. This is what it says. Uh, I will go and prepare a place for you. I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. This is what it says to me. This is Jesus talking. And he's painting us this picture of what heaven is going to be like and his preparation for that. So he comes to us and he says, hey, listen, listen. I'm going to prepare a place for you. So it tells me when he came here, he left with a purpose in mind. And the purpose was for us. It wasn't to stay away from us. It wasn't to leave us to do our own thing. It wasn't for us to figure it out on our own. But it was to be with us. See, uh, I'm going to come back and take you to be with me. He left with a plan. This is what it says to me. Maybe it says something different to you. But this is what it says to me. Jesus was leaving with a plan. He wasn't leaving thinking, well, you know, I'll get back to heaven and we'll kind of we'll whiteboard some ideas and just have a little brainstorming session and we'll let you know how it goes. No, he left with a plan. And the plan was to come back and bring us with him and to bring heaven to earth and to have this community that we belong to together. That it's not exclusionary, but it's inclusionary. Like it's meant to include all of us, that we belong to it, that we're a part of it. You know, uh, Genesis chapter 1 is really where it first all started. See, because the plan was just this. In Genesis chapter 1, the plan was this. The plan was for people and God to walk together and hang out and meet face to face. So this Eden picture, this Garden of Eden picture was God's original. This was the plan. He's going to create people. Put them in this garden of Eden. Maybe there's some golden palm trees there. Who said that? Golden palm trees? Who said that? You? You're awesome. Uh, maybe there'll be some golden palm trees there. There's going to be some fruit trees, some animals. You'll have dominion over all of it. You're in charge. And we can talk together. And we can have community together. And we can walk and talk and share thoughts together. And we will know each other deeply together. That was the picture. Now, that picture got kind of messed up. That picture went sideways when sin entered the world. So when sin entered the world, it wasn't like that anymore. They got removed from Eden, and now we have this middle part in the Bible, this whole middle section about reconciling everyone back to God. The reason uh, the Old Testament took place the way it did, the reason that Jesus came, the reason for all these things is the pursuit of reconciling us back to God in an effective way, in a way that includes all of us, that doesn't exclude anyone, that doesn't make anyone feel like they can't do it or they're not worth it, it'll never measure up. It was this picture of Jesus saying, I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. So, it all started in Genesis 1. We kind of fast forward a little bit to Colossians. And this is where, this is the picture Paul gives us of the new plan. And he's writing this to a group of people in Colossae, uh, which is a town uh, back in Bible times. And you can actually still visit it today, the ruins of it. And he's writing them this letter, and he's saying, listen, listen I know that you don't get everything that, that Jesus is about or that I'm saying, but I want to write you some things that I think will help you understand more of who Jesus is, what he's about, why he came, 
what he came here to do and it kind of what it's going to look like when it's all said and done. And he wrote this verse in, uh, these verses in chapter one, this kind of introduction to this town, Colossae. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. No other world religion teaches this. No other school of thought, no other principle of reason, no other group of people claim to be created by a God who is the image and the imprint of the invisible God. No other, and we're going we're to stay here for a second, no other group will say that our God is the creator and the sustainer and the firstborn of all creation, that you are the imprint of him that you were made in our image for a purpose. No one else will say that. And, and I'm not shocked because if, if you're all about the predictable, you would not be for this. If you're in the world and a lot of people are in there outside the world, my father's one of them, you know, I have a ton of family members who are, I have friends that are, that do not look at Jesus and see hope, they look at Jesus and see more questions, no answers, they see a life change that they're not ready for, that's what they see. So we see this picture, this, this, this time is now starting, that because of this breakdown that took place in Eden, a new plan is in effect. And this new plan is being rooted in the son of the invisible God. You know, in, uh, in Exodus chapter 33, it gives us the Old Testament solution to this problem. Because these, this is where God wants to get to. It's, it, he wants to get to the place where we are working together again face to face. That we belong to him, that we have community with him. I think we have great community here at JHM. That's why we have leaders. That's why we train leaders. That's why we invest our time into them so that they can invest their time into you. That's the picture. Okay, but just like a good leader, and I'm sure a lot of you could point to leaders in the room that you just love, there's, there's um, a phone just ringing. It totally got me off track. Uh, there's uh, uh, Neil over there. There's, uh, let's see, where's another leader? So there's, B oh, here we go. There's another one over there. And you guys can point to leaders that you just love, okay? Now, this is the deal. There's a plan in that for us. The, our plan is to get great leaders to invest in your lives. That's not happening out there in the world, but that's happening here. Now, God had a plan. His plan was to meet with us face to face. In the Old Testament, this is what it looks like, the tent of meeting in Exodus 33. Now, Moses used to take uh, a tent and pitch it outside the camp, some distance away calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go, would go to the tent uh, and meet with him, uh, verse 8, and whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood in the entrance of their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke to Moses. So this is the picture that was taking place. He, in the Old Testament, would meet with Moses face to face. This interaction would take place. And then we, and this was the picture he was giving us, foreshadowing, speaking through prophets, speaking face to face to Moses, giving us the picture of what's to come next in John chapter 1, verse 14. He says that uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was the word. He put on flesh and moved into our neighborhood and lived amongst us. Who, who's had a really crazy neighbor, like in the time they've been alive? Give me a super, who is the craziest? Raise your hand really high if you think you have a story above the rest. 
Uh, your hand's pretty high. Give me your story real quick. They sound crazy. Do you say they put a dog in a stroller? Yeah. Yeah, they're lunatics. Um, and, and I've had some crazy neighbors too. I had, this, I had this neighbor one time. This is not their picture of them, but this is what they used to do. They used to sit outside the window and, and take and look at everything that's happening. And it's super creepy. I was never about that. And if anyone, is, anyone like cats here? And I like cats, man. My girlfriend hates cats. I love cats, all right? I love petting them. I think they're cute. I love them rolling on my face. It's super weird, but I love it. And but this lady went way over the top. She was my neighbor at one point. Had like 50 cats at her house. This woman loved cats. Hairballs everywhere. Um, this is the deal. Well, listen. This is the thing. Jesus came and put on flesh, moved into our neighborhood. He wanted to be in community with us. He wanted to do this together. Listen. He said that this wasn't the plan. The plan wasn't for us to leave Eden and then have no connection with God. That's what the deist would say. He didn't say that I'm going to give you the tools for you to figure it out on your own, and then if you do, maybe you can come to heaven. No, no, he didn't say that. He said, I love you so much that I'm going to leave where I'm at. I'm going to leave heaven, put on flesh, move into your neighborhood, hang out, talk with you, have community with you, relationship with you, in order that you may understand that this is inclusionary. This is not the world. Now, I have friends that don't know Jesus, and that's a tough, that's a tough deal for me, because I know what, what the Lord says. He says those who don't know him are separated from him. So those who are in the world who don't know Jesus, this is the best life they will ever have. This life where they just live, and they're just hanging out in palm trees in the ocean, for them, this is it. This is the best. And for us as Christians, for those of us who believe in Jesus, this is not our home. Our home, our residence is with him. Our family is with him. Our uh, 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 place to be is with God. Our father in heaven, that family, that location, that belonging. That's the picture Jesus came to give us. Now, that's a very different picture from what a lot of you may have heard. Very different, but it's what Jesus tells us. It's what he tells me, and I've dedicated my life to that, to that vision of a Lord that cares about us so much he would pursue us. This is what we're going to do. For a lot of you, you've maybe never heard this before, so it might be shocking. For a lot of you, you know who Jesus is in a profound way, and you have friends that do not know who he is, and you look for easy ways to reach them and bring them in. I want to take a couple minutes in prayer, and we're a tiny bit over time, and for that, I apologize. But this is what we're going to do. I want to give you two minutes, and we would get up and move around, but we're short on time. This is what I want you to do, and please take this seriously because I take it seriously. I want you to turn to the person next to you, you and one other person, and I want you to take one minute just praying with them. All right, pray for whatever you Look at the person next to you and say, who's going first? And one of you will. All right? And I want you to take some time. Pray for your friends. Pray for family. Shh, hold on. Pray for those who don't know Jesus, who maybe buy into what the world's saying, that this is a difficult path. This is an impossible road to go down. Pray for those who maybe haven't had the opportunity to hear this inclusionary gospel of who Jesus is, this family that he wants us to be a part of. Take a minute, 60 seconds, and pray with the person next to you. And I'm going to wrap it up in a minute. So you guys just figure something out between you, you two right here. And all the things
All right, so if you've taken your time and prayed, that's great. And I hope you guys have a great week. I hope to see you guys next week. Thank you for coming. Have a great rest of your week. See you guys later.